All right, everybody, welcome back in. It is episode three of our college football preview here on the Stewcast. And I mentioned it was Big 12 week. Uh, it, it's it's still Big 12 week. We, we hit Texas. Uh, you, we did a special show with Texas Football Talk. Check that out. Also, Phil Steele in the archives. Check those both out. But I had to get my dude on. This guy has been on several times. We've had some very uh, feisty conversations in the past, uh, but he's a guy I have immense respect for. He slept two and a half hours in the past week between kids, college football ending, and uh, Cowboys training camp. He is the host on uh, Dallas Cowboys Radio Network, 105.3 The Fan, and he's also a host on SiriusXM College Big 12 Radio, Channel 375 on your dial. He is the great Ari Temkin. Ari, it's always good to, to chat with you, man. I know you're on the road out somewhere outside of Austin right now, so I, I appreciate you working me in, man. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate you asking me to come on, Stu. Well, you know, we always have a, a, a good re- good rapport. Um, I, I say something, and then you tell me why I'm wrong, and then I come <laughs> see your way. So it works out. It works out. Uh <laughs> let's jump right into it and and I don't I, I was telling you offline and I think you're amenable to it we we don't need to beat a dead horse we all understand the Oklahoma Texas dynamic gotcha it's gonna happen makes sense whatever where where is the rest of the league headed though because I'll tell you what I don't know that there's going to be a pretty way that this whole thing ends where are you seeing where the rest of the crew goes? You know, it's such a ridiculously fluid situation that I, you know, I, I think anybody that tells you they have any idea of what's going to happen is lying. Um, I don't think Bob Bowlesby knows. You know, I, I don't think George Kliabkov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, I don't think Jim Phillips, the commissioner of the Atlantic Coast Conference, I don't think Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, I, well, Kev, I, Kevin Warren doesn't know how to tie his own shoe, so I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, honestly, there's so much happening that, you know, nobody, even, even the actors involved here don't fully grasp what's happening. I'll give you kind of a lay of the land because it obviously looks bad for the Big 12. They're the wounded duck here. But the reality of the situation is the Big 12 headed out between 36 and $40 million of television revenue to uh, their their television to their to their member institutions, that was third most uh, of the Power Five conferences. That doesn't even account for their Tier Three rights, which all of the other Power Five includes in their number. The Big Twelve is is uh, allows for each institution to monetize their own uh, their their own Tier Three rights. That was Longhorn Network, Sooner Vision, many other iterations across the conference. So. And obviously that take is reduced without Oklahoma and Texas, but the question is by how much. And the Pac-12 has the worst of the Power 5 TV deals. Their deal is up soon, but they still have the Pac-12 network. So they've got a lot of issues to, to flush out. And the ACC has a deal that's through 2036. That's you know pennies on the dollar relative to what everybody else is getting. The reality of the economics here is the SEC is going to be number one. Big, Big Ten is currently number one in terms of annual revenue. And everybody else is about two to one, you know, or one to two. 
you know, the, the SEC and the Big Ten are out earning them two to one. And that's only, you know, only enhanced through the additions of Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. So there's a pretty wide gap, even in the Power Five now that's happened. And so, you know, really the, the, the Pac-12, the ACC, and the Big 12 are in a similar boat. The Big 12 is, again, the wounded duck here. They're the one that stands the most to lose and potentially dissolve. But, you know, I, I wouldn't think it's unrealistic for the, for the Big 12 to go after, let's say, in Oregon or a really big fish in a Power 5 conference and say, hey, we've got this deal. We think with the addition of your brand, we'll stay at that point in terms of negotiating when our new when our television deal is up. And oh, and by the way, we were giving Texas or Oklahoma a larger share of the pot anyways. You can have that too, just because we want to swing the pot to have you come over. I don't know that Oregon would ever take that. What I'm simply saying is the Big 12 should still be an attractive destination for teams outside of group of five. And that should certainly be what their approach is. Because if it's not, and I'm say my alma mater like Kansas or Oklahoma State and Bob Bowlesby comes back to me and says hey the plan is we're going to go and get the best from the American Athletic Conference I'm out I'm calling the Big Ten I'm calling someone else and saying all right I'm, I'm ready to join now I want the plan if I'm a member institution to be about growing the pot growing the pie that I have not taking less money and any addition absent of a power five power five conference teams is going to lessen the pot. Do you think with uh, expansion of, of the playoff and, and how that's going to set the table, do you think it's almost an inevitability that West Virginia is just gone? Is, is, do you think West Virginia is even being factored into the future plans? Because it really feels like they're, they're just waiting to, to you know, announce the uh, elope with the, with the ACC here. Well, look, I mean, it's pretty cost prohibitive to get out of this Big 12 deal. You know, that's what that's what Texas and Oklahoma are seeing. I mean, it, you know, it's going to cost 160 million for those two. So, if you think about 70 million that a West Virginia or somebody else would have to shelve out in order to, to lead this conference at this point in time until 2025. So, I you know, I think everybody's got kind of a, a one foot in, one foot out sort of thing, where they have to have their they have to have their ducks in the road to where if it dissolves, they've got somewhere they can jump, but they know like they're not paying the exit fees for that. And so, yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like what, especially if, if the big 12 goes West, let's, again, let's just, let's just throw Oregon in there. I don't, you know, I, I, I've continually said that. I don't know that there's any interest whatsoever in an Oregon, nor do I, nor do I think or know there'd be any interest, reciprocal interest from Oregon. In that case, you're probably letting West Virginia out because it, it obviously makes considerably less sense for them to be in. Um, let, even less sense than it makes today. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think college football playoff expansion talk is really now taking a back seat because many of the people that were going to be voting in support of it may not anymore. And that's part of maybe the, the, you know, the negative side, I suppose, if you're Texas and Oklahoma, to this deal getting leaked when it did, I don't think they wanted to have this thing out publicly until after the football season at the earliest. And, and by that time, the, the playoff expansion might have already been approved. So, I, you know, I can't imagine now, under the guise of ex inclusivity, 
look, I mean, with the way the SEC is now set up for the future, the playoff expansion is, is less about include, you know, inclusivity and more about exclusivity, for me honest. It's going to feature a ton of SEC teams every year. And, and, and it's not going to feature a group of five programs as we thought it might. So, yeah, I, I think that is going to take a backseat here for a bit. I don't think it'll be as approved as quickly as it was on track to be approved. Reports came out uh, last night, earlier today. We're recording this on uh, Thursday. Uh, and, and it basically spelled out that ESPN, to some certain degree, was influenced the TV deals because they, they have the rights on the AAC games. They have rights on ACC games, et cetera. ESPN just has their hands in all the different pots. Big 12 sends a cease and desist. What – what did you take from that? Is there anything other than, uh, you know, the the sports network is trying to drive some plans here? They see the future of rights fees. They're trying to get um, uh, a payday moved up sooner than later. Uh, what What is your take on that? Yeah, I mean, uh, Stu, I don't think there's any question that ESPN is pulling the strings here. Whether they can prove that or not, whether that can be proven in a court of law or through evidence, that I don't know. And that's, you know, I think ultimately big picture what this is about. Uh, you know, I, there, there are examples historically of ESPN being involved in, you know, basically in, in this entire thing. For example, there's a lot of rumors from, you know, there were a lot of rumors back 10 years ago that ESPN made the deal for Longhorn Network in part so that Texas wouldn't go to the Pac-12. 10 years ago, the Pac-12, it was happening. Um, Texas and Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and Texas Tech and many other schools were going to be joining forces with the Pac-12 and Pac-16, and it was going to be the first super conference. And, and there's, you know, there's definitely rumor and innuendo that ESPN was behind making sure that didn't happen. Why? Because ESPN is a as in partnership with Fox for the rights to the Pac-12. And if they had Longhorn Network, they could basically pay, pay for exclusive rights to the University of Texas, which they wanted. Uh, again, I don't, I don't think there's any question that ESPN was behind influential and behind the Texas and Oklahoma move to the SEC. Um, with the exclusivity now that the SEC has the ESPN moving forward, and then the college football playoff, if you have those two properties, that's all you need, especially if those two properties include Texas and Oklahoma, you know, two of the biggest money earners in all of college football. So the, the cease and desist that was handed down uh, by the Big 12 was about the American Athletic Conference and basically torches interference. They're alleging that they have evidence that says that ESPN was – interfering with a contract that the Big 12 has with its member institutions. It's not about the American Athletic Conference. This is big picture about the SEC. They want to find evidence that links the SEC and ESPN to the deal that brought is bringing Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC. I don't know if there's evidence that, that exists like that, but if there is, that's big trouble for the worldwide leader of sports. <laughs> Well, you, you know, file it under things you would hate to see. Um, 
Uh, last question before we actually start diving in, because we still have a football season to play. It's not over. Uh, in five years, let's fast yeah, it's forward. going to be a fun one. I, uh, yes, uh, yes. And uh, that's why I want to certainly talk about it and not just, you know, uh, what used to be the Big 12. Um, in five years, uh, what's the percentage chance that we see something called the big 12 still around. So five years would put us at 26. It's the year after the deal, um, the current rights deal ends for the big 12. 2026, five years from now, what's the percentage chance that we still have a big 12? That's a good question. Um, I'm gonna give you an answer that's not exactly thought out because as I said earlier, anybody that thinks that they know what's going to happen at this point in time is dumb and doesn't know what they're talking about. That's the truth of the matter. I'll say 50-50. Okay. I'll say it's a coin flip. Um, and we'll know well before five years from now. I like it. I like it. I, I do not believe that Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC are the only moves here. As far as teams leaving the Big 12 or teams coming into the Big 12? Yes. <laughs> yes to all. Uh, oh, I, I should ask. The, and you're, you're a Big 12 guy. You follow this conference. I swear this is the last uh realignment question the aac good football there um it's enjoyable football you know some of us really like the two-lane green wave it is what it is don't judge us how how well do how well would the aac and the current teams in the big 12 mesh together because it certainly seems like they they would mesh great in a college basketball setting like that just sounds awesome but it's a football-based, you know, sport. It, football drives everything. Do you see that even as a viable option? Or a, a, as a Big 12 guy, would you rather see something else uh, occur, whether it be Big 10 or Pac-12 or whatever? You know, they, they call Occam's razor, which is – Whatever the most obvious answer is, is usually the right answer. And, and so normally I, I, I default to that. Um, I don't think that's the case here. You know, the, the most obvious outcome here is that. But seeing as Big 12 just sent a cease and desist to ESPN specific to the American Athletic Conference, and, and we know that ESPN is pulling strings here as much as they can. And, the, and ESPN has an exclusive deal with the American Athletic Conference. They do not have an exclusive deal with the Big 12. The Big 12 also works with Fox. I just don't see any way in which that emerging of those conferences is the outcome. I also think, you know, if you're a Kansas, and I, I genuinely believe that Kansas can get 
the Big 12, the Big 10, if you're Oklahoma State or Texas Tech, and I genuinely believe that Oklahoma State or Texas Tech can get the Pac-12, and if you're West Virginia, and I genuinely believe that West Virginia can get the ACC, you're not staying in the Big 12 first with the American Athletic Conference. Hello, everyone. This is Chris Van Dyne from North Coast Sports. You'll hear me here every week during football season with my main man, Stu, from the StuCast. And just want to let everyone know we got a lot going on at North Coast. we got Power Sweep coming up. Going to be releasing that at the end of August. And get on board for Power Sweep at ncsports.com. Definitely check out our podcast on ncsports.com. And like I said, you'll hear me every week giving out some of the best handicapping picks that you will get in the industry uh, with Stu and Bobcat every week here, as well as at North Coast Sports, ncsports.com. And we're looking forward to football season. Well, you know, I did mention we, we've got a season to play here. Uh, and check back in, in prior show, we, we touched on ta- Texas, um, which is a very interesting team. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them after seeing you rubbing some elbows with uh, Sark there. But uh, I, I'll be vague and we'll, we'll get more granular as we go here. But it, just looking at the teams, it seems like Oklahoma is a in my mind, a clear table setter. Iowa State could be something. We, I, I still can't put my finger on them. Um, even after last season, returning a bunch of players, like there's still a ton of talent there, but I don't, I don't feel the warm and fuzzies with them. And then you have TCU in Texas, who I feel like have a huge ceiling and a very high floor, but I don't know that they reach either. And where does that put them? And then you have a bunch of teams that that just kind of, you know, West Virginia and Baylor could be interchangeable. And Oklahoma State to me is like the definition of a seven-win team. And Kansas gave up on football 10 years ago. So that's the rest of the league. Am I crazy? Or is is that how you're seeing the league? Or, or do you see something different? Let me preface this by saying I'm unable to be unbiased towards the big 12 uh, in any capacity because I I really don't want Texas or Oklahoma to win. <laughs> and, and I, I say that, you know, obviously tongue in cheek, but also in reality, like the way that I look at this conference first today versus two weeks ago is absolutely skewed by my rooting interest and unabashed disdain for those two teams that are leaving this conference. This conference, what I believe to be the final year of this 10-team format, needs to have Iowa State or TCU win this conference. That needs to happen. So I just wanted to preface what I'm about to say with that, okay? Okay. Uh, Oklahoma is really good. They are a legitimate national championship contender. Uh, they should absolutely win this conference, uh, which is why I would love to see them not win it. They've won it six times in a row. Uh, they need to not win it this year. And I'm hoping perhaps they can buckle under the pressure of 
week after week being so hated because of what they've done to this conference. And I'm not saying that to be ugly, just telling you the reality of the situation. It's an ugly breakup. They're doing what's in their own best self-interest, but there are a lot of really, really negative feelings from eight other programs and from Big 12 headquarters for obvious reasons. They've but got they've got they've got that 95 Nebraska kind of heat where it's like uh, in the late Tom Osborne years, everybody hated Nebraska because they would roll in and they thump a team by 67. They do it mercilessly. Yeah, but uh, they never lost. Yeah, that's like, true. They didn't lose for three years. You know, like I I get what you're saying. But it's it's just you know there'll be no way no way to really understand the pressure that they're under. I do think this adds extra pressure. I do think this adds just a very interesting element. You know, there's always a hatred and a target for an Oklahoma or a Texas, but it's going to be so different this year. I don't even know. You know, you're going to have full stadiums if you're not having them last year. Like, there's so many factors of play that you know it's it'll be tough but look they're loaded i mean they are they're the favorite to win the national championship and should be they have the favorite to win the trophy they have you know a really legitimate top 10 defense and that's the difference here is we haven't seen lincoln riley have a defense in, but is this and and he you know he didn't say it in those exact terms but that's kind of what he said to me in media days. It, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. That's why I made a, I, I made a nice little bet. You can get him at plus 700, I, I think, still to win the national championship. It really feels like it's this a, is the year. It's a great bet. Yeah, it really feels like this is the year. Yep. Like this is all – those, all the planets have aligned. Clemson is, is changing – Bama's working in a new group. I still don't trust Georgia. Um, just really feel, and he's like you said, the big thing for me is the defense. Like the defense is much, this is probably the best defense he's had and the best Oklahoma defense probably that we're going to see since I don't even know when. Two decades. Yeah, easily. Uh, Iowa State, on the other hand, they're returning the same group and, and they certainly gave Oklahoma some fits. But this is also a team that, you know, uh, uh, until a minute 40 left in the game, they, they were almost going to lose to Texas. I mean, they're, they're this is a team that, you know, and it's kind of BS, but everybody's going to point out the Louisiana Lafayette, go Cajuns, uh, game two. It's a BS thing. But, you know, this is a team that does still have some warts on it and some question marks. Uh, What's the what's the positive and negative for for the Cyclones? Yeah, I think you can make a case for three or four teams as the second best team in the conference. Um, but let me amend that. You can make a case that Iowa State will win the conference, right? They they're right there with Oklahoma, okay? And like I said. They need Iowa State to win this conference. They need somebody not named Oklahoma to win this conference and not named Texas this year. Just need to, okay? So Iowa State's their best bet. Uh, you mentioned it. They bring everybody back. They're, you know, they, they, they struggled a bit last year at times on the outside with having guys that can separate. I think they have that. 
uh, with Hutchinson being older, more experienced and better. You know, you've got a, the leading rusher in college football back. You've got one of the best offensive lines in college football. You've got legitimate weapons on the outside. You've got the best tight end, arguably, in college football, Charlie Kolar. Um, you got some pieces. And Brock Purdy really struggled the you know, first six, seven weeks last year um, turning the football over and finished very strong. They, they need that Brock Purdy all year. Uh, they need Purdy to, to be a Heisman Trophy guy. They need Purdy to be better than Spencer Rattler. They're going to win the conference, quite frankly. It's, it's not always that simple, but this year it is. Um, a lot of things are equal in terms of what, you know, making a case for Oklahoma, making a case for Iowa State. The one thing that who's going to win this conference is who's the better quarterback this season. And, you know, Purdy is, Purdy's been good. Um, he needs to have his best season to date. And it's going to be tough for him to best Spencer Rattler because – Rattler's really freaking good. He's really good. And he plays the best offense in college football. Um, so Iowa State's there. And then I think you could make a case for three schools to be third best in this conference or potentially surprise. And I wouldn't say win the conference, but, you know, third best or higher. Let's say that. And two of me, one of them you named TCU. Uh, Phil still picked up to be a 10-win football team this year. Yep. Uh, Texas. Texas too. Two weeks ago, I would have told you that I think Texas is the second best team in this conference. Uh, I no longer think that. Uh, I'm all in on Iowa State for reasons I've already discussed. I'm very excited about Steve Sarkeesian. I think he's going to be a really good football coach. I think they finally hit the nail on the head there with their coach. They have the guy I voted as the offensive player of the year in the Big 12 this year, Bajan Robinson. They've got Decent pieces on defense, but that's not going to be their strength. Uh, the big thing is their quarterback and who it's going to be. But I really would love to see Texas struggle this year. This most other people uh, Big Twelve. I, I I hear you. I I will say this is a team. You know, I I think they. I like them for second in the conference, but this is a team that smells and feels like next year next year's the year where they're really dangerous like this is this is another grow this is a growing year get everything set up the way Sark wants it and next year is is the more no, dangerous and I, I, and I get that that I think makes a lot of sense I think that there's an element of surprise to Sark in this in this conference um I think you look at what, what makes Lincoln Riley good Look at what makes Sean McVay good. Look at what makes Andy Reid good. These are all they're common threads. The things that make good offensive tacticians good in the current modern in current modern football is being matchup oriented. You don't you don't want to have a thousand plays. You want to have six plays you can run a thousand ways, and that's what the best. Offensive minds in the sport of football are doing today. They are matchup oriented. They are seeking specific matchups. They're running a play out of one formation with one personnel package. They're running the same play out of a different personnel package out of a different formation until they get what they want. That's what Sark is bringing to the table. So there is, I think, an element of surprise to Sark. I, I think the next year thing makes sense, except for the fact that they're in the SEC most likely next year. So you know, I, I think Sark needs a really good year because 
they've had an uptick in recruiting because of what he what he did at Alabama, but that can die very quickly because there's not a lot of forward momentum for Texas recruiting. There is certainly through the SEC, but it's got to be followed up with success on the field. So, you know, I, I think there is a certain level of pressure on Sark this year too. Um, and I, I think there are reasons for why they can be successful this year, but, you know, I, I think top to bottom, you know, really the first four teams, like TCU is really good. And TCU, they've got arguably the best weapon that nobody's heard of on the outside, you know, Clint Johnston. They've got, you know, a, a, an absolute stud running back who's a five-star recruit, Zach Evans, who didn't get much shine last year, but will this year, I mean, it's a feature back. They've got good piece of their offensive line. They've got a good quarterback who just hasn't, I think, had the time to develop as a passer, but I'm expecting big things out of Max Duggan this year. And then you always know that they're going to have a good defense because Gary Patterson is a defensive wizard. So Tomlinson you know, like back there at corner is a monster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Travis uh, Hodges Tomlinson, for sure. Uh, I mean, they have they lose two, one second-round pick and a guy that I thought should have been drafted in Ardarius Washington and one undrafted. They lose two safeties. And they're still as good as ever at their cornerback position because you know, they get a guy back who's really good from injury, um, and uh, and Noah Evans, and and, and, and then you know Tom, Hodges Tomlinson too. So yeah, TCU, absolutely. And then I, you know, you I think you just got an Oklahoma State. Maybe you're right about seven win team, but look, I mean, Spencer Sanders, ton of upside in the quarterback position. I know last time I went around we talked about uh, him in, in the Miami game. Um, but you know, he's, he's had turnover issues and if he continues to have those, they're not going to be successful. But I mean, the thing is they return everybody from last year's defense. It was really good. And so people are sleeping on them. They've got a really good defense. You know, we know Mike's offenses are good. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to discount what Oklahoma State can do this year either. Ari, you're going to have to check in. You're, you're the big 12 insider for the Stukas. You're going to check in on this for me. Is Spencer Sanders Kenny Pickett? Is Kenny Pickett Spencer Sanders? I don't know. <laughs> Need to look into that. Um, but, you know, we're running out of time. You're running around Austin. I think you got to go meet up with McConaughey. But I can't let you go without talking a little Cowboys football. Uh, Dak Prescott threw a 40-yard pass to C.D. Lamb um in in warm-ups and shorts and and i've i've heard that they're going to win the super bowl now because of it how, how the boys look in how's america's team <laughs> yeah training camp is is a whole it's a whole thing because you know it, it, it there's so much excitement and optimism for everybody 32 training camps you know everybody feels great everybody's in their I put on weight. Those are good things. I don't know why, but they are. You know, I, so I, I think too often we can be skewed positively or negatively by what we see at training camp. You know, there, the thing is, there's just no correlation. You know, there just isn't. Um, guys have good training camps, end up having good seasons. Guys have good training camps and good preseasons, and we never hear from them again. You know, like there's just examples of guys going up a training camp and having good seasons. There's guys that become big names in training camp. We never hear from them again. There's just no correlation. So, you know, look, I, it's, it's about building the foundation of your team. Um, you know, I, I hate to create expectations based on what we see in training camp. I think sometimes that can skew, you know, sort of our opinion and 
expectations. The Cowboys should be really good on offense. They should have one of the best offenses in the NFL. The guy that is, wherever you want to rank him, a top five, top ten quarterback. And you can win with that. You can win a lot of football games, the modern NFL, with a top five, top ten quarterback and the best wide receiving core in the NFL. Um, the big question is their defense. They invested very heavily in the draft in their defense. Um, unfortunately, I think it's very difficult to have immediate success, especially with the guys that they're counting on to have immediate success. They just have not done enough to invest in their secondary. They're, and this is one of the areas where, like, you know, everybody's enamored with Kelvin Joseph, their second-round pick out of Kentucky. I think he's got a lot of upside. It takes time to develop. I think one of the hardest positions to transition from college football to the NFL is at cornerback. And I, I think the Cowboys would have been way better off making a trade to move up to draft the J.C. Horn. And that's who they wanted. I think he is NFL-ready. But unfortunately, they didn't make a trade. J.C. Horn was taken before them. And, and you know, and so they settled for a Kelvin Joseph in the second round, who, again, could be a really good player. But there's development that's needed. And they need Kelvin Joseph to step in and be good right away, just like they needed Trayvon Diggs, who's, you know, a first-round pick last year, to step in and be good right away. Just a lot to ask, again, in a passing league, for young players trying to transition to become the best corners in your team. They've not done enough in safety. They've not done enough in corner terms of in free agency and i think that bites that they will they certainly will not win a super bowl based on their defense but they can lose one based on their defense and I, when i say that i mean an opportunity to play in a super bowl you know you look at the kansas city chiefs a few years ago when they didn't win a super bowl and i'm not going to compare the cowboys offense to patrick Mahomes and that kansas city chiefs offense yet but it's it's good it's really good it should be good enough to carry them but you look at that Chiefs defense that lost to the Patriots years ago in the playoffs, like it's just the difference between having one of the worst defense in the NFL versus average defense. If they have an average defense, they can win a Super Bowl. Mark my words. I don't know that they have an average defense. Well, I I know judging from all the Cowboys fans I list, uh, you know, I have to work with Nick, Dustin, shout out to you guys. Uh from what I understand, the Cowboys are going undefeated this year. So that's what I've been told. Um, I like <laughs> well, your, your rationale makes more sense to me. Uh, and Stu, I'll add, they, they, the hope here is they don't play a lot of good quarterbacks. If you look at their schedule, yeah, they start off with Tom Brady. Okay, he's pretty good. Um, but, I mean, you go down the list of the quarterbacks that they play, like – they should win a lot of games in a bad division. You know, so uh, again, if they win, it's a 17 game season. If they win 11 or 12 games, I I'm going to have to see how their defense plays before I'm actually ready to pick them to win games in the playoffs because there aren't many bad quarterbacks in the playoffs, but there are a lot of bad quarterbacks on their schedule. Fair assessment. Uh, Ari, we got to get you on during the season. I want to talk some more college football with you. You're one of the best. And uh, thank you, as always, for coming on, man. Sure, buddy. Thank you. And you can catch Ari, folks, on 105.3 The Fan. If, you, if you're feeling frisky and want to listen to some uh, Cowboys radio or 
Sirius XM channel 375. He's going to be live and in color talking all things Big 12 and and maybe even uh, Texas basketball when they win the national championship next year because I got them at 15 to 1. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait for basketball season. Yeah, we're can't wait to talk to you again, man. Thanks again. Thank you for listening. Next week, uh, we're going to have a special guest on, and we'll get back into it. And until then, we'll see you next time.